This is Southern Tier Close-Up on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. And this is the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. Joining me today is the Honorable New York State Senator Fred Akshar. Do you ever get tired of hearing that honorable thing, Fred? You know, I just prefer uh, Fred Akshar. It's good, uh, <laughs> It's, it's good to be with you and uh, all your listeners once again. Oh, you've got a title. Yeah, you might as well use it. It's like I always tease the lawyer friends that I have. I'm calling them Esquire, and they it kind of throws them for a loop every time. That's right. <laughs> hey, um, this has been a year, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really has. It's been uh, it's been trying for everybody. You know, no matter where you're, no matter where you're from or what you do, it's um, it's been you know just kind of put us in a tailspin. But you know, I've been. Um, you know, impressed by our community. I think we've we've rallied together. Uh, we've stayed strong, and uh, you know, we've stayed healthy to uh, you know to, to some degree. Of course, we have lost life, like like others have uh, throughout the state and throughout the nation. But uh, I, I really do believe that you know people have have come together uh, like we have historically done, right, during natural disasters mm-hmm. or or during other times, and and taking care of our neighbors, if you will. You know what is is kind of weird is besides the pandemic and all the hoo-ha going on with that, we had the one of the most contentious, I mean, I'm an old lady, you know that, we've had one of the most crazy contentious election cycles in history lopped in with the Black Lives Matter police reform, yuppada, yuppada, yuppada. But another thing that just speaking from 40 years experience of doing this since I was right out of high school, I have to say that even though you had the political divisiveness and the partisanship on the national level and in some of the elections, I have to say I have never seen the degree of cooperation across aisles probably just due out of necessity that this pandemic really necessitated until now that things have have kind of gone away now we're getting a little bit more of finger pointing about you know and now and analyzing you know what should have been done could have been done would have been done but in the midst of this whole mire of the pandemic there was so much working together that i had never ever ever seen before yeah i mean i think on your first part even even in this community, right? I mean, you talked about, um, you know, the contentious election cycle. You talked about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, you talked about uh, the conversation around police reform. And, you know, I said this on Martin Luther King Jr. Day that, you know, this community is is blessed because while we saw others resort to violence um, and, you know, destructive behavior, this community didn't do that. Uh, we've continued to do what we have done in the past, and that's communicate with one another um, and and work together. You know, there's always work to be done, right? I mean, every when you're on a particular side of an issue, you know, I suppose we are guilty, all of us, of thinking, you know, our position is the correct position. Oh, of course. I'm always uh, right. Tell, ask my husband. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's important. I think I've, I, if that's one thing I've learned from this job, it's it's in, it's just incumbent upon you and incredibly important if you're going to move the community forward and you're going to move together uh, forward that you have a willingness uh, to be open-minded and to listen. And yeah. I, I would respectfully offer that that. 
you know, again, in my humble opinion, this, this community has done that uh, throughout the course of time. But but most recently, uh, as you describe it, in, in a pretty contentious period um, of of our our being. And, you know, I, I agree with you on, on the latter point. I mean, uh, the pandemic has certainly uh, had people of different political persuasions uh, working together. There are, there are things um, I, I've learned this in my during my tenure, uh, there are things that transcend politics and, uh, you know, whether it be taking care of those with intellectual and developmental disabilities, whether it be dealing with mental health issues or substance use disorder or a global pandemic. I mean, those things transcend politics, right? It's just it seems like that would make sense. Yes. Yeah. And, and I mean, that, that the only way you deal with those things is if you, you, you put your, uh, I don't know, political badge uh, on the table and you, uh, you know, you find ways to, to move the community forward. Well, on the whole issue of listening to people, there are, and I'm not naming any names because, you know, I don't do that, but not naming any names, there are some people that portend that they want to hear what the people have to say about this, that, or the other thing, but then they just plow headfirst and willy-nilly into whatever their agenda is. The importance of things, and it's more difficult now with the pandemic, but the importance of things like uh, listening sessions and town halls, and you're famous for your surveys, these things, but, you know, it's nice to have them, but the whole thing is, do you actually listen to what the people say if they aren't, aren't agreeing with, you know, what you kind of were expecting or wanting to hear out of these talkback yeah. sessions? You know, I, I appreciate the question, and I think it's a, a topic, of course, that we, we should, in fact, discuss. And, you know, I, I do issue community voice surveys on a very regular basis. Um, you know, I get a little bit of pushback, Kathy, about uh, the way that the questions are phrased or the questions I'm asking are only important to Republicans or uh, those of a, a conservative mentality. And, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. So this the latest community voice survey uh, went, over, uh, went out to over 75,000 households. Uh, throughout the 52nd Senate District. It went to Republicans and Democrats, uh, liberals and, and conservatives. And the 15 questions uh, in the survey are all issues uh, that we are currently dealing with or we will deal with uh, during this legislative cycle. Now, I say that with a bit of caution because sometimes issues fall off the table or uh, you know don't come to fruition at the end of the day. But it, it is incredibly important to me that um, I hear back from the constituency on where they stand on these issues. Now, again, there's a little bit of pushback because, well, if you only get 10,000 surveys back, it's not a very big sample. Um, but it's one of the ways that I'm able to communicate with the constituency and get a better understanding or a better feeling on where they are on issues. And I have my own personal feelings um, and ideas about uh all of these issues. Well, you can't the help the day, it. If you're a human, you're going to have your own feelings. Right. And, and, and that's right. And at the end of the day, you know, that's okay. But I, I was elected to represent the people yes. uh, of this district, uh, regardless of their of their politics. And, and these, these surveys, whether people choose to believe me or not, help inform my decisions when it comes time uh, to vote on a whole host of issues. Well, this particular one that is out, obviously still weighing heavily 
on everyone's mind is the pandemic and dealing with the pandemic. But also, we are in the midst of the the whole budgeting cycle and looking at expenditures, which New York State, Broome County, um, Johnson City, whatever, everybody, even down to, you know, my husband at the computer doing the budget, we've all been impacted by what's happened over the past year and a lot of hard decisions being made. And the state looking at interesting ways, I'm going to put it loosely, interesting ways at covering a huge deficit. What are you looking to hear back from your constituents concerning what we're facing with this current budget cycle? Well, I think that probably the the the, the most pressing issue is the revenue issue, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the governor has talked about having a $15 billion deficit. I think it's important for your, your listeners to remember that going into this year, uh, pre-pandemic, the, uh, the state's deficit was around $6 billion. So, uh, you know, part of that $15 billion, of course, is COVID-related. And I've said this publicly uh, a number of times that I do, in fact, believe that the federal government has a role to play here. And they should, in fact, uh, be helping states, not only New York, uh, but every state in the nation, that has been impa- impacted by uh, COVID-19. Um, but you can't expect the federal government uh, to completely bail you out because you've mismanaged the taxpayer dollars. So I think that probably the most pressing issue is is how do you close the budget deficit uh, without increasing revenues? Uh, my friends across the aisle call them revenue enhancers. I call them taxes and fees because that's, in essence, what they are. And I would just, re- you know, respectfully offer to everyone um, not just here in this district, but throughout the state, people, it, it is it is a very expensive place to live, yeah. uh, the state of New York. Uh, taxes are incredibly high. So, yes, there is discussions about raising revenues on the most uh, wealthy of New Yorkers. But even the governor and, and the uh, director of budget, Robert Mujica, have, have said that raising those taxes on the highest earners uh, will um, – it certainly won't incentivize them to come back to New York because many of them have, have left because of the pandemic and are working remotely and so on and so forth. So you know, I think we have some really important decisions to make. Um, I think with uh, President Biden's uh, relief package at $1.9 trillion, uh, the state stands to make uh, about $12.7 million. It's short of the 15, or excuse me, $12.7 billion. It is short, of course, of the $15 billion that the governor is is asking for. But I think if we were to tighten our belt a little bit and look at where we were spending money, no different than you or I would do uh, when it comes time to, to do our family's budget, I, I think we'll be in, in, in a good place. There's some revenue sources that have been explored a little bit different, and one of them you're not a huge fan of. And that is the proposal for the legalizing of recreational marijuana for uh, adult use in regulation and taxation in New York State. Uh, is there anything on that front that makes you consider that there might be something there, the way the state taxes and makes, you know, get some revenue in from alcohol sales, tobacco sales? Is, is marijuana totally with the, uh, the the various things that are in that bill for law enforcement and such, is that totally off the table as far as your book is concerned or what you're hearing back from your constituents? 
Yeah, I mean, this this issue for me um, is still a non-starter. Uh, this is one of those issues where, you know, you I have to make a decision uh, in which I think it's in the best interest of my constituency. If you look at the polling data on the legalization of marijuana, if you look at it in any statewide poll, uh, it, of course, it, it the, the plurality of people think that we should, in fact, um, uh, legalize marijuana for uh, adult adult use. If you look at the issue uh, in my district, it's pretty much split uh, right down the middle. It, it moves uh, a couple of points up or down every time we ask the question. Kathy, I, I have I have um, significant issues uh, with the legalization of marijuana for uh, adult use uh, purely from a public safety standpoint. I think if you look at States like Colorado, and and you you see the increase in in, in traffic accidents and um, issues surrounding uh, the legalization of marijuana. Um, you know, I, I think that outweighs the benefit of what monies may um, you you may be able to generate. And I think much of the conversation right now, and it's kind of it's 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 got a new life. Uh, the issue of legalizing marijuana because of our, our deficit and, and the revenue shortfall. And, you know, the governor is talking about, you know, being able to raise 100 or a little north of $100 million, uh, in in the first year. And, of course, that helps close the budget deficit. But, uh, again, before we legalize marijuana, I would just uh, respectfully offer that. I think we should probably find other ways to, uh, to close the deficit rather than legalizing marijuana. And, again, I mean, we talked earlier about do you – uh, do you listen to the people and what they're saying in the survey? This this particular issue is is pretty much split down uh, the middle, mm. and I would uh, have to say that uh, it's still a non-starter for me as we discuss it today. And it is the, the another example of how that split is. You look at your counterpart in the House and Assemblywoman Donna Lopardo and her position on the cannabis industry and, you know, a little bit different with this, the legalizing of marijuana for recreational use than what we've been talking about, the industrial cannabis. But still, it's kind of a slightly different take when we're talking about, you know, like I said, your your compatriot of, uh, in the other house, in the other wing. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I have, um, I have, a deep respect for the assemblywoman, and you know, obviously, she may have a difference of opinions uh, when it comes to issues like this. And you know, obviously, she has to answer to her constituency. And at the end of the day, I would have to answer to my constituency. I I feel uh, I think this is a, a simpler way to put it. Um, I feel so strongly about this issue and protecting the community that if I were to lose an election because I, I did I voted no. Uh, on legalizing marijuana for uh, adult use, uh, I would be perfectly fine looking at myself in the mirror, knowing that I did uh, the right thing um, in in my mind. And you know, if the constituency um, made a decision about my uh, my tenure uh, or whether I would serve in this capacity based on that issue uh, in and of itself, then then that is that is up to them. But as I say often, um, you know, this job is so diverse and you handle so many different issues and you debate so many different issues, oh, yeah. I always ask people uh, to, to, to not judge me. Some people, I think, are, are singular issue people, like there is nothing more important to them than the legalizing of, of uh, cannabis for adult uh, recreational use. 
Uh, but many people, I think, look at the totality of, of the work that, you know, I or other elected officials are doing and, and base their decision on, on the totality of, of what it is that you're doing. Um, you know, the, the other point, though, uh, with my counterpart, uh, when you talk about uh, industrialized cannabis and, and, and the hemp industry, uh, that is that is an area, and I've said this publicly, where, um, you know, she has uh, a great deal of knowledge and has worked incredibly hard uh, right. to bring that that um, that industry uh, to our region. Yeah, kind of different kinds of horses that we're talking in that race. Mm-hmm. We we have just so just scraped the tip of the iceberg, and we are out of time, Senator. Um, my best regards to you and then your your family, your new baby, and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> I wish we had a lot more time to get into a lot more issues, but we don't. Thank you for your time. And uh, real quick, how can people participate in that feedback? And you said you're going to keep that open for another couple weeks, correct? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So we've been uh, we've been pleased in the first week that it's been out. We've got about five thousand responses in terms of the community voice survey. So just visit our website akshar.nysenate.gov uh, to take the survey. And also, we'll be hosting a whole series of virtual town halls. I'm, I'm proud uh, that we have had uh, more than forty in person or virtual town halls since being elected, and uh, we'll be doing another series of those. So if you visit the website akshar.nysenate.gov. Uh, please sign up for one of uh, uh, the host of uh, virtual town halls we'll be doing. And uh, the next one we'll be doing is March 1st at 6.30 p.m. So, so that's coming up real fast. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for being my guest. And we'll have this information on our website as well. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. This has been the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. I'm Kathy White for the Southern Tier Close-Up. 